And that's where it got really painful. It's what propelled me into doing what I'm doing now, which is coaching and working with women leaders, because I went through so much pain before I figured out how to lead the right way and how to cultivate the right team. And now that I have the right team, it is such a game changer. But then I get very, very protective of the energy in the team where I used to want to just hire and grow. And, you know, it's hard to find people in our industry. So if they were willing and they they were a good therapist, like add them on. And now I'm just, if it's not the right team member, we will wait. I'm so protective of the team we have and the energy that that team embodies because of all of the hardship I had to go through as a leader. Hey guys, welcome to the Power and Persistence podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Blois, business owner, mentor, self-care advocate, manifester, wife, and mama of two. This podcast is designed to make you feel seen and inspired. Join me for honest and raw conversations with successful women and purpose-driven entrepreneurs. We'll explore how they imperfectly but persistently juggle career, family, and relationships, all while honoring their authentic selves. Let's dive in. I'm so excited you guys are here because I'm opening my doors to my one-on-one coaching program, Find Your Yes, because we all deserve to live a life that feels like a hell yes. Women are leaders, and leadership is found in entrepreneurship, leading teams within a business, volunteer organizations, your community, and at home with your family. Whether you're desiring to make a transformation into leadership or you want to up-level your skills to become a more effective leader, this program is for you. I've been leading at work and at home for over a decade, and this is what I know. It wasn't until I did the inner work that I personally needed to do that my leadership skills really improved. And that's why I created the Find Your Yes program. So you don't have to do the inner work alone. As someone who has been there, I will guide you as we work through your shadows, heal past traumas, overcome self-limiting beliefs, and watch you transform from the inside out. So if you're ready to create a life that feels like a hell yes, head over to www.jessieblois.com forward slash contact to book a call or head over to my Instagram at jessieblois and send me a DM. I'm so excited to connect and to find your yes. All right. I have Kelly Robinson here. Kelly is a senior real estate broker and the founder of the Kelly Robinson team. And she's been selling residential real estate in New York City since 2005 and will be expanding to Miami this year. She and her team are consistently ranked in the top one and a half percent of real estate agents and teams nationwide, which is amazing. She also has her own podcast called Kelly Minds for Manners. And she's in the process of launching her first e-commerce startup in the pet products industry. To say you have a lot on your plate, Kelly, is an understatement. (laughs) Thank you so much for taking the time to be on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's, uh, It's an absolute honor. It's great to have you here. Okay, so I like to start off before we get into everything you're doing, because you're clearly a very accomplished woman. But how did it start? Will you kind of take us through a little bit of your childhood and your upbringing? We'd love to kind of learn what makes you you. Yeah, so um, I was born in Manhattan. We moved out to Connecticut. I was raised there. Um, My parents were both really supportive people. They 
always supported our dreams. And while this wasn't a dream, when I was really little, my mom said, oh, would you like to be in this play that the community theater is putting on? And I was like, sure. So I started when I was six or seven acting, and then I started doing it professionally and singing as well. And um, I went to you know, high school and then college, uh, all through high school, I acted and modeled professionally. Modeling was not a, a something that I was aspiring to. It was just something that was easy to do in Connecticut. So I was acting and, and I was modeling in Connecticut um, because in Connecticut, they do a lot of catalog shooting and it was just convenient and easy and a way to make money, but it was not something that I was aspiring to do. And then I went to Mason Gross School of the Arts, which which is a conservatory program for college. And I acted for a few years after that. And then I wanted to take a break and do something different for a year. So I signed a post-dated contract with a new manager and I fell into real estate and never went back. So um, when I was growing up, I was always involved in sports. I was always involved in acting outside of school. Um, I missed so much school because I was professionally acting and modeling that I needed to maintain a really high GPA in order for them not to hold me back. Mm -hmm. And um, and then I really was into fitness and kind of had to be for my job. So I um, I worked at the gym as well. And so I could get a free membership and um, to stay in shape. So I don't know. I've always been really busy and involved in a million different things. And that's just kind of how I am. And um, even when I was like 11 years old, I started a charity food drive. And, you know, I've always had this entrepreneurial spirit, I guess. and. I also think that the acting and modeling business allowed me to handle rejection really well because you get rejected over and over again. I was going to ask if there was something about acting and modeling that you think serves you well in real estate. So you're so you can it's taught you to handle rejection. Do you think it's done anything else for you? Because I imagine you're constantly presenting yourself to people that you're just meeting for the first time and kind of trying to beat out others for the yeah. job. Yeah. So with acting, the method that I was taught was called the Meisner technique. And the way that they go about that technique is really, it's really about taking off of other people and listening. And I think I really learned how to listen in acting and even become more empathetic. I think a lot of people think of actors as these narcissistic people who are all about themselves. But the method of acting that I learned was to really become empathetic and feel what the other person was feeling and really listen. And I think that's what's helped me in real estate because so many people will meet me and say, you actually listen to what I want. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I think it's less about putting on a show and, and kind of beating other people out and more about being authentic. So their whole thing with Meisner is living truthfully under imaginary circumstances. Well, these aren't imaginary circumstances. They're real circumstances. So it's all about authenticity, but really listening. I can imagine that's really helpful too with leading a team to have empathy and to really listen. Yeah, it is. And it's also the way that I approach negotiations as well, because in real estate, you're negotiating a home. At least I'm in residential real estate. So when you negotiate a home, you're negotiating for the most part an emotional purchase or sale. 
Mm-hmm. And so you really have to come at it from a place of empathy instead of, you know, being one of these ballers that walks into the room and, you know, plays hardball with everybody. That doesn't really work in my industry. The stuff they show on TV. Not reality. <laughs> it's not reality, even though it's reality TV. It's not how it works. Yeah. I mean, I can really appreciate that. I can imagine that be really listening to people and having that space for others. And as you're listening, tapping into that empathy has served you really in all aspects of your life. But I think as a leader, I know I became a better leader when I was able to learn how to do that as well, to really understand where that other person's coming from and to put yourself in their shoes and understand why they desire what it is that they are desiring. 1,000%. What made you decide that real estate was for you? What was it that you shifted and stayed in real estate? I kind of fell into it. Um, I, you know, when I was taking a break from acting, I, um, I didn't really want to work at a bar or, you know, I had done that, you know, through college and stuff. And, and when I was acting and I just didn't want to do that anymore. Um, and a friend of mine who is an actress said, why don't you try real estate? You know, I can still be flexible and do this job. Well, she was doing it part-time and acting. It's really a full-time job. It's more than a full-time job. But I loved it. I've always loved interior design. I mean, even when I was a little kid, I would constantly redesign my room. And I would be dragging my mom into ABC in New York City. And my mom was like, who are you? You think I'm going to spend $300 on this duvet color cover? She was like, I'll make it for you. And she would make it for me or we'd find something similar. But I would get all my ideas about interior design. And I've always loved houses and architecture. I would sit and circle properties that I liked in the newspaper when I was a kid. And we would go to open houses in my town. And my parents were mortified because it was a small town. And they were like, everybody knew we weren't going to buy the house. I was just being nosy. So, um, you know, I was dreaming of the house that I liked, you know. And and I wanted to see these mansions in my town, none of which I lived in. And um, so I think there was just some congruency there. And I just really enjoyed the pace of real estate and not being behind a computer all day long and running around and meeting people. So you really just tapped into what naturally came to you and you've lived that authenticity ever since. I mean, if you as a child are just drawn to this, it really was something that you were passionate about from the beginning. So you're really that story of, do what you love and you'll be successful. I guess. I mean, I kind of, like I said, fell into it, but I realized, oh, wow, like this has been a common thread throughout my life. Maybe you manifested it instead of just fell into it. Maybe, maybe you're right. I want to say that for your parents too, to even if I'm not spending $300 on this item, the fact that she made it, it's really easy as parents, especially when you're, we're busy and we're caught up in life and there's a million balls in the air to be like, oh, that's a fun hobby, honey, and kind of brush it aside. But then they honored your interest, even though they didn't necessarily make sense to them at the time. Yeah. I just think that's really great parenting to yeah. see your child and support your child, even if it, it doesn't make sense to you in that moment, instead of telling your child, this is what you're going to do. So. I just want to take a moment for that because that's beautiful parenting. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm, I'm really lucky to have had the parents that I haven't had. Yeah. 
You really are. <laughs> That's really great. Okay, so you go into real estate and then you decide you're going to lead a whole team. So can you talk to me as another woman who decided to start a business, grow a business? I know it's really hard. And I know we transition through roles doing that because I'm a speech pathologist by trade. But now when people ask me, what do you do? I really, I don't know. So the business owner and the speech pathologist, they're not one in the same. They're very, very different roles. So you're a real estate agent, but you're also a team leader. And those are not the same. And when we learn how to do our craft, we are not being taught how to run a team. So that's something we have to do. So can you talk about what motivated you to want to lead a team instead of just, you know, taking care of yourself only? Yeah. Well, first of all, I, I just want to tell you how much I respect what you do because thank you. Speech pathologists are amazing. My my nephew was um, you know, a late talker and mm-hmm. he just started with a speech pathologist a few months ago and he wasn't bar- he was barely saying a word and he is t- talking like crazy now and it is the most amazing thing ever and it's all because of his speech pathologist. So oh, that's yeah. great. It's it's also because of his family. And mm-hmm. it's a team approach, right? But it's not it's really beautiful to be a part of that team and to be invited on those journeys with these families. So I'm really happy to hear that he's talking up a storm. At some point yeah. people might say like, remember when it was quiet? <laughs> <laughs> and my families go can we have a refund no nope, i never saw <laughs> um that's so okay. funny so so why why decide to grow yourself and build a team so i didn't um i was on teams when i started which i still believe is the best way to start out in real estate you learn so much faster you get more leads um you're thrown into the fire um i was on two teams before i went off on my own. And I had 11 listings and a bunch of buyers and I just couldn't handle it myself. And I was like, I am not starting a team because of the teams that I was on. I wasn't treated very nicely. Mm. And um, and in fact, one of the teams I was treated fine, but I saw other people not being treated nicely. And I just was like, I don't ever want to be that way. And I feel like I'm like, it's like a rite of passage and you have to turn into this monster if you lead a real estate team in New York. Um, But I needed help because I couldn't do it all myself and I was scaling. So I just started with one person who was helping me with open houses. And then she started working with me full time. And then we kept getting more business. So we added and added and, and that's how it started. And it wasn't necessarily the right team at first. That took me years and years and so many failures and trial and error it was a big learning curve mm-hmm. trying to figure out how to manage a group of people, um, especially in an industry where everybody's on commission and they're commission. all on 1099s. And there are certain laws around that, like you can't tell people when they have to be there or mm-hmm. what they have to wear or what have you. So, yeah, I'm nodding as big as I can nod. Because I feel like we have parallel paths in completely different industries. I, too, just started out. I thought if I could just fill my own caseload, I will have made it. That's all I wanted. And then and then there were more kids that needed help. So I slowly started adding to my team, but it wasn't my intention from the beginning. And then 
um, I didn't build the right team. And that's where it got really painful. It's actually what propelled me into doing what I'm doing now, which is coaching and working with women leaders, because I went through so much pain before I figured out how to lead the right way and how to cultivate the right team. And now that I have the right team, I, I mean, you know, it is such a game changer but then I get very, very protective of the energy in the team where I used to want to just hire and grow. And, you know, it's hard to find people in our industry. So if they were willing and they, they were a good therapist, like add them on. And now I'm just, if it's not the right team member, we will wait. We will yeah. wait. I'm so protective of the team we have and the energy that that team embodies because of all of the hardship. I had to go yeah. through as a leader. It is so true. And I failed so many times at building mm-hmm. the right team. And it set me back so many times. And in my industry, it's really hard to find experienced agents to be on your team. So that's, you know, and I have newbies and I have experienced agents um, and I mentor all of them. But if you have to mentor a whole team, then when are you going to be doing business too? So, um, you know, there's a balance there. And and I learned so much about who not to hire and who to hire and how to test them and what questions to ask from failing. What do you look like when you hire? What do you look for when you're hiring now? Number one thing, loyalty and ethics. Do you feel like it's kind of you have to kind of weed it out. You really have to weed it out. You have to do your homework and you have to ask the right questions. Like, what's your five-year plan? What? Why do you want to be on a team? I've had people say to my face, oh, I want to be on your team so that I can leverage your experience and then start my own team or leverage your experience. And, and I'm like, nope, bye. Yeah. Whereas before, before, I was like, oh, that's awesome. You have great aspirations. Now I'm like, I, I've changed my business model so that if a team member brings in the same amount of commission income or more than I do for two consecutive years, they can be my partner, we'll rebrand. That's awesome. And it doesn't have to be about me at all. I just want everybody to make money and be happy. Mm-hmm. And I want them to feel like they have autonomy and a place to grow. But, but loyalty is so so important to me. I will take somebody loyal over a salesperson any day of the week because you can train sales. Yeah. Um, I say that all the time. You can train the skill. You cannot train or shape the person, right? So I will take a person with little experience that I just know is a good human. Yeah. For somebody with all the skill. And that is a no brain, such yeah. a no brain. Yeah, I, I too have had people say to me, I came here, I didn't care about the money because I wanted you to train me and I'm jumping ship. Yeah, I know. And yeah. you know what? It it burns and it really hurts. And then as the the mentor, the leader, the boss, you have to find a way to keep open and keep trusting people. But it, you do find where you have to tread a little bit lighter and really make smart decisions but then you do end up when you learn to do that you end up with a really beautiful team that I would pour myself into any day of the week 
Yeah, 100%. But even when you've done all of your homework and somebody's been loyal to you for years, you can still get burned. And like, Mm -hmm. that's just life, right? You just have to roll with the punches and pull yourself up by your bootstraps and keep on going. Yeah, you have to keep going because the other options to stop, right? So it's true. You have to keep going. I want to talk about, I want to ask you about mentorship because I have found one of the greatest gifts that I can offer others is mentorship, but I only learned that because mentorship was so important for when I learned that I could seek out mentorship. It, I grew so much faster. I understood things so much faster. I didn't have to make so many mistakes. And I seek out mentorship professionally and personally because it just gets you to a higher level so much faster and with support. So what kind of mentorship did you seek out? And from that, what kind of mentor do you strive to be? So I, I mean, I'll be completely honest. I have a business coach. Mm-hmm. I have a psychiatrist. I have always, a I think we'll always have those people. I think I will never not have those people in my life. Yeah. I have a spiritual person that I yep. work with. Like I have it all. Like, like a lot of people are going to hear this and be like, oh, there's some crazy in there. But no, I oh, think I you're think crazy if you don't have all. I, I literally have everything you just mentioned. Yeah. And I think it's great because when it comes to, you know, and just everyday life, and sometimes I'll talk to my therapist and I won't have much to, to complain about. But when I do, I get an unbiased opinion or I get an unbiased, you know, listener and helper where, um, you know, I know that they, at least my therapist wants what's best for me and they don't know anybody else that I'm talking about. And so Mm -hmm. they're not going back and forth with those people. And then I'm not bothering the people that I love with my, you know, little problem. You know what I mean? So. Um, And then business coach, I feel like you can never stop growing and getting better. There's always room to grow both, you know, intellectually and emotionally, intelligently and um, business wise. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like the only way to really grow is to, to continue to learn about anything you're doing but really about yourself. Absolutely. Always be thinking, you know, for me, it was, why do I respond the way that I do? Why do I show up the way that I do? Why do I feel the way that I do? And it's when we really peel back those layers, we become a more whole person. And when we feel more whole, we can be more available and better for whatever we have and whoever we have in our life. But it takes that team of support to be able to really access that part of yourself. I agree. And, you know, there are so many people out there who are afraid of their beard. They just disagree with it. I think that one of the most important lessons I learned early on in therapy, and therapy can be hard because you have Mm -hmm. to start from the beginning and go through all of the painful experiences in your life that you maybe wanted to forget and don't want to rehash. But you have to go through that. And um, and grow from it. And I think that, um, you know, therapy really taught me that not everybody thinks the way that I do. 
And I shouldn't expect other people to value the things that I value. And I think I was a much more black and white person in the past, whereas now I'm not. Like, I understand that people think differently than I do. People react differently than I do. And it's not because they're wrong. It's just because they're different. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. When did you decide to start your podcast? So I decided, oh, God, like the end of last year. And then I launched it, I guess, in February. Um, So that's been really fun because I like to hear people's stories. I think it's really interesting. So, um, yeah, it's been great. I have a lot of clients and colleagues and um, people that I know from my past who have been, you know, nice enough to join me on my podcast. And it's been wonderful so far. It's a bit of fun addition to your. It has been. It has been. And I'm still getting better at it, but I have to say my guests have been phenomenal. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah, it's fun. It's really fun to connect with people from all different areas and different places and share their stories. That's really great. So one thing that I um, know that you've experienced is failure before you found your success. Can you talk to us about how that failure led you to the success that you have? Oh my gosh. I have failed so many times over and over and over. And I feel like I appreciate every failure that I have had because it has taught me so much. And I don't know who who says it, but I, I saw something on Instagram, on an Instagram reel recently, and it was so true. It was this gentleman who was saying, When I fail, I don't just get back up. I stay down there for a minute Mm -hmm. and I think about why I failed and what I could do better. Because if I don't sit with that for a minute, I'm never going to appreciate it. So I have learned to sit with my failure for a little bit and then look at it from a place of gratitude because I know next time I'm not going to make the same mistake. And I think that that's led to my success in many ways and just, you know, doing things the wrong way, you know, or or missing something many years ago when I started in real estate on a deal that that was kind of like an obvious thing would, you know, kill the deal. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I just did that. I should have thought of that. And now I make lists for myself, you know, so that I don't forget things and and whatnot, but I failed over and over and over again. You just have to keep on keeping on. You do. How do you, what do you do for yourself if you're really discouraged? What do you go to to kind of push through that and keep going and get yourself back on track, not just professionally, but mentally and emotionally when you're going through that feeling of just really feeling discouraged? Yeah. So a good workout always helps um, Mm -hmm. boost the endorphins and um, spending time with my rescue dogs who I love. Unconditional love is the best thing. They're always happy to see me. Um, They don't argue. Sometimes they bark back, but they don't argue. And um, I just think being grateful for something when I'm discouraged and Mm -hmm. thinking of the things that I have 
that are wonderful that I can be grateful for puts me in a completely different mindset and gets me motivated again. That's great. And I know as an entrepreneur myself, we we cycle through it, right? Like once an entrepreneur, we kind of never feel like we've done enough or mm-hmm. we're, you know, a few years down the line, you're like, I want to do something else and I want to add. You don't necessarily want to get rid of what you've created, but you want to add to it. Yeah. What has that experience been like for you as you're going through your career? What have you decided you wanted to add on to or what is what have you added to and then what have you created separately? Well, so I've added to real estate. Um, I'm I'm part of the sports and entertainment division at Compass, and we're a group of about 150 agents around the country, and we've become like a family now. And um, we are all very experienced in working with high profile clientele in the entertainment industry and in the sports industry, so athletes and. Um, that is something that I've added on to by becoming a part of the events committee. I threw a big event for the sports and entertainment division down at Art Basel last year in in um, conjunction with Taglia Telegalleries, and it was fantastic. Um, so I'm on the events committee for that. And um, I'm also a part of Realm, which is a an invite-only group of the top half of real estate brokers in the world. And that's been amazing because, you know, I, I do get international requests at times. And it's so interesting to meet people from all yes, parts, parts of the world and learn how, how they do business, you know, there. Yeah. And, um, and then during the lockdown, uh, during COVID, when we weren't allowed to show homes, I thought to myself, okay, I can be miserable. I can feel bad for myself. I can wonder where my next check is coming from. I can try and sell things sight unseen, or I can maybe try out this idea that I had a few years ago. And I decided to um, start working on a startup. So I formed a corporation. I got a team together, and it has nothing to do with real estate. But um, a couple of years later, we're we're about, you know we're still working on it after some bumps in the road. We should have been launched much sooner, but we are much closer now to launching, and I'm super excited about it. Tell us about it. What is it geared towards? What is it focus? So it's kind of like. The best way to explain it is it's kind of like Poshmark meets Etsy for pet products. Okay. So I thought of it when my dog Seamus grew out of all of his, you know, puppy stuff, his crate and his bed, everything in like a month. And it uh-huh. was brand new. And I was like, okay, there has to be a dedicated pet consignment platform somewhere. And there wasn't. And then I thought, okay, well, people have dogs that pass away, cats that pass away, snakes that pass away, you know, have hamsters, gerbils, turtles, whatever. They grow out of their their um, tanks or they're, they don't like their clothes or they don't like a certain toy. And so I thought of Pawn Shop, um, which is the name of my company, Pawn Shop for Pets. And it um, it's basically pre-loved pet products and very good condition. And also custom pet products like people make on Etsy. So it's a one-stop 
platform for pet products. And what I found out from all of my national surveys is that the pet product industry is very much recession proof. So I am fingers crossed, even though 97% of startups fail, I am hoping this one goes. And, um, you know, the other thing is if you have items that are not in the condition to sell, Mm -hmm. you can donate them to a pet charity or sanctuary on our platform for tax deduction. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, so here's my takeaway from what you just There's a lot of takeaways. And it's knowing that something has such a high rate of not succeeding, but doing it anyway. Really believing in yourself and in your vision and powering through that and bringing it to life. There's creativity. You found the opportunities when times really just suck. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And then you've been working on this for a handful of years. So that's a lot of persistence. That's a lot of focus and dedication. The average person doesn't always see where the the hole is and then really stay the course to see it through and bring it to life, especially when they feel like there's a chance it's not going to work. What is it in you? Is it a conscious choice that you've made that this is who you want to be? Or is this something that you've always had inside of you? Is it a combination of both that you have the ability to persevere through creating something that takes so much time and effort? You know, I think, again, it goes back to my childhood acting days where you were either too thin or not thin enough or too tall or not tall enough or too pretty or not pretty enough. And um, I would, you know, I would be in these talent competitions for singing. And, you know, if I didn't win the first one, I was like, well, I'm going to go back next year. And I just think that it was, it was just like, I need to do it until I've made it. And I think that's where it came from. And I think all the rejection I had to face um, and all the you're not good enough that I had to face led me to a place of watch me. Mm -hmm. Um, And not even watch me because I don't do it for anybody but myself. Mm -hmm. You know, but I think I think I just want to be busy all the time. Uh (laughs) I'm not busy that I'm like, what am I doing with myself? Um, but I, I really think it just goes back to being a relentless human being and, um, I, and the fighter, um, I don't yell, but I am a fighter. I fight for things. So I think that's just the way that I am. Well, I'm sure it lends to a lot of success for you. And is this going to be an app? I hope so. We're going to start off on Shopify. Um, unfortunately, our web developers who built our whole website scammed us and stole my domain name. And so we've had some bumps in the road. Oh, that's um, a huge bump. That's it's a huge so bump. Exciting. It oh, is. So gosh. now instead of doing that before launching, we have these awesome guys who do e-commerce pitch platforms and uh, pitch pitch books and business plans working for us and we're just going to start getting you know pitching to investors so that we can build it all out on shopify 
which is very expensive. It's much more expensive than building a, a crazy customized website, which, which is also expensive. Yeah. I mean, there are some plugins that we need on Shopify that are like $3,000 a month. And I don't want to put my own money into that. You know, I think if it's something investors are interested in and the numbers look good, then we should be able to get funding. I mean, I don't want, let's really like honor what you're doing. There are so many moving parts to making this vision come to life, all doing another full-time job and leading a team. It, that's a lot. I mean, I've worked with, there's a lot of behind the scenes. Is my yeah. point. There's a lot of behind the scenes that take up a lot of time and energy as you're getting something up and running. And then to be scammed is just a gut punch in the yeah. process. Yeah. And none of my lawyer demand letters worked and GoDaddy wouldn't help me and the domain place that they transferred it to wouldn't help me. And I sent them all my corporate documents. Nobody would help me. And it was really discouraging. But I was like, okay, let's do this another way. I'm not giving up. I'm not going to yeah. let them win. Yeah. I completely relate to it. Again, totally different field, but we've had, we take insurance at our, at our business and we've had insurance companies. Listen, it's broken, guys. The it system is, is broken. It and is. there's been a couple instances where a certain insurance company starts doing denials. They have little clauses in their contracts that we're like, where's the contract? You never sent whatever. It's the whole thing. But for one, I'm thinking of we were out $60,000. And we're just like a little family-owned business, right? Yeah, that's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Paul the lawyer, who his job is to fight against insurance company. Because like you said, you're looking for support and for help. He said, how much money have you lost? And I said, I think we're out like 60 grand. He goes, oh, that's not enough to bring me on. You got to just let it go. Oh. So as the people were not the big, big businesses, you know, we're kind of on our own. And what do you do? You don't stop. We take a $60,000 loss and you just keep going. But it, it doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. No, it doesn't. It doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. It kills me that this happened. And it kills me that I had to change. I mean, I own this domain name in so many different forms that it ends. it's going to end up being fine. I just switched it all over. But um, it just kills me. Yeah, I get it. And that's a terrible thing that happened to you. And it's terrible that people are not willing to take on the smaller deals. I yeah. have done, you know... Very, very, very big, big deals, especially in New York City, at the same time as doing a very, very tiny deal where I almost was spending more money working with these people than I was actually going to make. And I don't care. I will take anyone on because if you're real and you're a good human and you're not abusive, I fire mm -hmm. my abusive clients, but um, you... You know, you never know where who they know who they're going to refer to you. And it's all about just kind of like, you know, spreading the love and passing on the good karma. And yeah. um, no, no deal is too small or too big for me. And I, I work with a lot of brokers who are like, I don't do anything under five million or whatever. Like, mm -hmm. OK, but the under five million or but 
<laughs> I mean, under a mil- whatever, the smaller deals, I bet you those are really kind, grateful people, right? You know, or they're probably going to, yeah, they're, you're going to have a place in their heart. They're going to remember, right? You're buying them something that's super significant for them. So, yeah. They are, they tend to be so much more grateful because they need more help. It's usually Mm -hmm. their first rodeo, especially in New York City, which is a completely different animal as far as real estate is concerned. Um, but yeah, they, they tend to be really grateful and I really love finding them something or, you know, selling their place and having them be so happy. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, that just, that is more important to me than the money. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a good, real feeling. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. Do you have regrets that you've experienced? Do you have things that you look back and wish did not happen? Or do you just think it's all a learning experience? At least I can pull something from it as I move forward. What have you learned you know, throughout your career? I would I would like to say I have no regrets, but I think that I would be dishonest. Um, there's nothing specific I can think of in my career at this moment. Um, maybe not going to the firm that I'm at sooner mm. is a regret of mine, but it is what it is. And I'm really happy I'm here. I've been here for seven years. And um you know, and in my personal life, for sure, I have regrets. But I think like we were talking about, you just have to learn from your mistakes and your mm-hmm. failures and be better the next time. And if yeah. the next time doesn't present itself, that's OK. Something else will. Yeah, absolutely. It, the path will lead. I think as it's intended to go, I think for me, the biggest struggle is being able to surrender to it and allow it to unravel as it chooses because I like things to happen quickly. I am not a patient person. Um, so it's not just having trust that it's going to work out, but being okay and allowing it to happen in its own time. Yeah. But knowing that you're going to be able to get there. 100%. Um, so for people, in your industry, or really, I feel like even though our industries are so different, I find so many commonalities with you. Yeah. What are some of the key points or advice that you would give for someone starting out, for someone who's been doing it, but they, you know, they're craving more, and for someone that wants to lead? So I think for people who are just starting out, I think joining a team is the best way to get started because you get so much more experience, so much quicker. And, you know, I learned not only what to do, I learned a lot of what not to do from my from my first teams that I was on. Equally Um, important, right? Equally important. And then, you know, for somebody who's in it and, and wants to scale or get better or build a team. Just do it. Talk to other team leaders who are successful. Ask them. I'm sure they will all have stories about how they've failed and how they've learned from that. And, you know, talk to people. People, you know, if you're in a in a company like Compass where I'm in, people are really collaborative and want to help each other. 
So um, talk to other agents who have teams who are who you aspire to be and, you know, get their advice. And um, and then your last question was. I knew that was going to happen. Sorry. No, I asked you three and one because they just kept coming to me. Um, I asked you how to what would you say to people that want to lead? Oh, people that are are working, they're in it, but they're craving more. They want to become a serial entrepreneur. So I've had trouble with this, but I've just recently forced myself to do it. Do something that scares you every single day. So big or small? Big or small. So I am, people think I'm an extrovert. I am not. I like to be in bed at nine o'clock, sometimes earlier. I wake up at four in the morning and I do my startup stuff and all this other stuff. I would much rather be in my bed with my dogs and then out at a networking event, Mm -hmm. especially if I'm going to the networking event by myself. If I'm throwing an event, I am working that room and I have no fear. But I have to go to a lot of networking events and go up to people I don't know. And for the longest time, I was just the girl by the cheese plate who was like getting to know the person refreshing the cheese plate that I was eating all of, you know, and talking to them. And I was too afraid to go up and be awkward and say something. And, you know, I started just saying, okay, Kelly, you have to get over it, get over yourself and just start conversations, walk up to somebody. You don't have to use a line. Just say hi, introduce yourself and get to know them and ask them questions. And I've started doing that. And the world of opportunities that has opened up for me recently is unbelievable just by doing something that terrifies. Putting yourself out there. And you're right. You don't have to have a line. But I think being genuine and authentic, that really shines through. And it's really interesting how you say you're not an extrovert because I used to think I was. And I think I may have, I was when I was younger. Mm -hmm. But going into business ownership and working with so many people and talking to so many people, whether it's the clients or employees or whoever, I said to my husband not that long ago, I said, would you call me shy? He goes, you know what? I wouldn't have. And now when you go to work, you can turn it on and you're not shy. But now when we go into our personal life, you are. And I think we exert so much energy and focus throughout our day-to-days that, I don't know, I kind of, I'm more protective of that little bubble of my close group of friends, my family, and then being in my bed at nine Mm -hmm. and recharging. Because yeah. so much energy is constantly pouring out. Yeah, so maybe you need to decompress. Yeah, maybe it's my age or maybe it's not, but maybe it's all of it. But I, I can completely relate to that. Yeah, completely you exert that. so much energy. So I, I can see how you can feel the same way that it's yeah. like you don't want to exert any more energy. You just want to just face plant into that. <laughs> you do. And as a leader... As someone leading a team, I constantly want to be available to the people on that team. And if they have something they're going through or a concern or 
whether it's professional or personal, I want to be able to hold space for them. So I try to be very available for what they're going through. And, you know, it's something I will continue to have to work on is like not taking home their emotions with me. But when you're investing yourself in other people's emotions, you you feel that because you're empathetic, right? Yeah. And at the end of the day, you kind of have to digest it all, let it go and just come back into yourself and recenter and get ready for the next day. Yeah, 100%. I'm well, I'll tell you sister. what, <laughs> you are incredible. You are doing so much and I have a feeling you're going to do so much more. Thank you. So are you. I mean, I'm really impressed with you. So I oh, thank you. I'm glad we were able to have this conversation because um, it's awesome to meet other successful entrepreneurial women. And I always say to people like women don't lift each other up enough. And I'm all about that. They really don't. And they really really should and I think um like it's so nice to connect with other women that kind of lead the same path in life because I think um we are really motivated by supporting other women and sharing their stories and so thank you thank you for coming on thank you for sharing yours I'm sure you're gonna inspire so many people when they listen to this episode and it was such a pleasure to meet you thank you it was such a pleasure to meet you too and learn a little more about you Thanks, Holly. Okay. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode. If you like what you heard and you want to hear more, please rate, review, and follow along on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find out more about me at www.jessieblois.com and follow along at Facebook at Jessie Blois or on Instagram at, at Jessie Blois. See you again next week with another great episode.